Hey, let's look at James chapter 1. <clears throat> James chapter 1. We started this study of James last week. We identified the author of this book as the brother of our Lord Jesus. Now, he didn't identify himself that way. He actually called himself a servant. He, he introduced himself in a very humble way. He could have made great claims about his relationship with Jesus and perhaps his leadership of the Jerusalem church, but he did not do that. He simply identified himself as a bondservant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he wrote to the Jewish believers in particular, I think. Certainly the, the Jewish people, but the Jewish believers who had been dispersed throughout the empire and those who were going through moments of persecution. He was speaking directly to them about their trials, about their temptations, about the things that they were going through, particularly the test of persecution. As they were going out, as they were preaching and they were sharing Christ, not only, not only were they persecuted by the authorities because of their Jewishness, but they were also persecuted against even by their Jewish brothers and sisters. Why? Because they had recognized Jesus as the Messiah. He was the Christ. So thus, other, others of the Jewish uh, religion would push back against them. So they're experiencing this. And let me actually pick up in verse 2. Let's, let's go there and just recount what James was saying. He said, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So again, he reminded them it was going to happen. It's not if they were facing trial. It was when it would happen. Certainly, as we follow Jesus, we know that there will be moments of trial in our life. We all can stop tonight and say, Everything about following Jesus, everything about going his way, everything like that, that is not the rosiest experience ever, is it? If you follow Jesus, if you are a disciple of him, the disciple's life will take, it will mirror the life of his or her Lord. And I'm going to tell you, if Jesus was persecuted, so will his followers be persecuted. So that's what James is saying. He says, these things are going to come, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So he said, what God's doing is taking this, which is a difficult time for you, and he is going to help you out. He's going to grow you. He's going to produce endurance within you. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now let's pick up in verse 5. That's where we are tonight. As he's addressing trials, he says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways." So let's just look at that passage. And notice what James says about a resource that God gives us, the resource of wisdom. Now, I like this about God. I love this about God, is that God is always about equipping us for the work that he's given us, right? God will never call you to do something that he will not equip you to do. I believe that. I believe that is the truth of Scripture. These folks are going to Nicaragua. They're going down there. They're going to build some houses. They're going to minister to people. Hopefully, they're going to share the gospel. They're going to get to meet people. God's going to give them every resource that they need to accomplish that job. I'm convinced of it. If that's what he's called you to, he's going to give you the re responsibility or the resources to carry those things out. 
That's the God we serve. He would never call you. Think of this. He would never call you to do something you could not do. Now, you may think you couldn't do it. You may think it was impossible on your own. And it may be impossible on your own. But God shows up in the picture and he gives you exactly what you need in the way of resources to accomplish his will. You know, I think about it. I've been on construction trips. I've been on medical trips to Nicaragua. Of course, I went on a soccer uh, trip, family mission trip last summer. I wasn't qualified to do any of those things. I've just learned what a hammer is. I still do not know what most medical equipment would be called or the right terminology. And as far as soccer, I can do the crab walk, but I do not know how to dribble, not in the fashion that they would ask me to dribble on the soccer field. And I do not know a lot of the other terminology, but guess what? God allowed me to do those things and he, he allows all of us to do those things. He gives us resources. Well, this is what's cool. Your God will allow you to go through a trial. He will. But he will not allow you to go through that trial alone. He's there with you. And if you'll simply ask him, he will provide the resources you need to get you through that trial. He always does. He's the one that can come through. He is the one that can bless you with what is necessary. So it's no doubt. I mean, it really shouldn't surprise us that James comes and he says, hey, you're going through this trial right now. And no doubt you have all kinds of questions. No doubt you're trying to figure things out. And you and I who've been through trials, you know there are a lot of questions that come to our hearts and lives. Right? There are a lot of questions. Sometimes we verbalize them. Sometimes we're almost ashamed to verbalize them. But they're questions. And there are a whole lot of questions about what we should do and where we should go and why this would happen. And, and listen to what James says to you. Listen to what he says to me. He says, when you're going through those moments, and maybe people are pushing it back on your faith, maybe you're just troubled, all the things you're going through. He said, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. If you like it, you ask him. You ask God. So as we work through this tonight, let me just say to you, as you're going through trials, as you go through moments of testing, ask for wisdom. Ask God to provide wisdom that you need. Now, wisdom is more than just intellect, right? I mean, many of us have pursued, pursued all types of education. We've studied, we have uh, our high school degrees, we have perhaps our college degrees, and we have further degrees perhaps. Many of us live in a university or a town where we are committed to educating people, which is awesome. But wisdom is more than just an accumulation of knowledge. There are many of us that can accumulate all types of knowledge, and yet when it comes to trials and testing, we still need wisdom. We need something else. All the books we've read, all the books we've studied have not prepared us for these moments. And he says, if you lack true wisdom, true godly perspective, he said, let him ask of God. Now, that shouldn't surprise us either, because in the book of Proverbs, we're told 
that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. So it begins with the Lord. Wisdom does. We're told that. We're told also in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 6, well, really, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. So James says, you need wisdom, you ask God. Now, the book of James, to me, is wisdom literature. Proverbs, for example, in the Old Testament, is wisdom literature. It teaches us how to live, it encourages us. So here, he speaks about wisdom, about receiving it from God, and he's going to write a lot about the practical faith that we have, real faith in a real world. But he says, you got to start somewhere. you got to start by asking God. Now, if you ask God for wisdom, it means you do admit you can't do it on your own. Notice what he says, if any of you lack wisdom. So you got to get to that point in your life where you say, God, I, I kind of need some help. Isn't it amazing that that admission can open up tremendous resources with God? Just that little admission, God, I need help. Think about your salvation for a moment. Where did that begin? It began with a confession that you needed help from God above. My salvation. I had to come to him and say, God, guess what? I know I'm guilty of sin and there's nothing I can really do about it. I can't make up for it. I can't be good enough. I can't pay you back enough. I need some help. And thanks be to him that he sent Jesus to provide all the help that we needed through the cross and through the resurrection. He helped us when we could not help ourselves. So this God who has helped us in salvation is also a God who helps us through the service of our lives, through the different moments and he says, you still got to come and you just got to admit, you got to say, hey, I ain't got the wisdom on this. That's hard for some of us. Well, if it weren't so hot, although I have kind of cooled off right now. If it weren't so hot, I'd have a testimonial service and let some of us get up. Oh, yeah, you good, Bill. Hey, you going to testify or you opening the door? You leaving. Bill Cox. My friend. Or former friend. <laughs> a lot of us could, if we were honest, we could stand and testify. We don't like to admit that we were, that we need something. Especially that we don't know anything. I mean, we just kind of would. Maybe move back a little bit and, or either we just won't participate in the conversation or very minimally if we don't know about something in particular. But he says, hey, all of us are going to lack wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, all you got to do is go to God. You can ask him. And I love this description of God. This God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. In other words, he's generous. This concept of God that has somehow emerged in different circles, this concept amazes me. The concept of we serve this God who's a miser, who is like ready to just like uh, wait for us to mess up and ready to pounce on us. That is not the God you and I serve. That's not the God of the Old and New Testament. When I read the God about the God of the Old and New Testament, I see a God who is so generous and loving, who just lavishes his love, grace, mercy, and his gifts upon us. 
And if you do not believe her in the Old and New Testament, all you got to do is look around this room and you'll see the lavish love of God and how he's given it generously. He is a generous giver. God is not one with a closed hand. He is one with an open hand. And that's what James says. James says, if you, if you need it, you just go to him. And you look at him like this. You have this perspective. If you want his perspective about life, you've got to have the perspective about him. If you're going to have the right perspective about trials, you've got to have the right perspective that we serve a God who is so good and who's so generous to us and is just willing and, and ready to grant us the wisdom that we need in our lives. And notice what he says here as well. He says, without reproach. I don't think I'd ever studied that word like I did this week. I kind of just glossed over that. I just kind of moved on. I talked about the liberality of God, his generosity. But get that part, without reproach. I went and kind of looked it up. And uh, it, it means something like, he's not going to insult you. It's the same language that's used of those who would hurl insults and reproach upon Jesus at the cross. He says, God's not like that. He's not going to insult you. Now, see, sometimes we're afraid to ask other people about things or wisdom. We're afraid to ask because we may look silly or they may react in a way in which we look silly, right? This probably never happens in your family, but I can share this tonight because uh, in the chapel, Andy's not videoing or recording, so that kind of gives me much more freedom. But I remember uh, a few years ago, we were standing on the church parking lot at Blue Springs Baptist Church, my dad, my uncle, brothers, they were, and we began talking a little bit about things, and and uh, my dad said something, and my brother, my uncle, his brother said, you are absolutely wrong. That is not the way that is. And my daddy began kind of getting defensive and said, oh, absolutely, yes, it is. And, and, and my uncle just, no, it wasn't. I mean, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't happen to your family, does it? But I'm talking about for months and maybe even longer. They didn't want to speak to each other. My dad, I was made to look like a fool. Like I, I didn't have the knowledge. You know, but some of us, we don't want to speak up sometimes because we're afraid those circles we live in will think that we look foolish. We don't have the wisdom. We're, we've been Christians for how long? 40, 50 years? Well, some of you have been, all right? Not me. <laughs> Not quite that old yet. But some of us would say, hey, we look foolish. I mean, we're supposed to be mature. We're supposed to be able to work through this. We won't say anything. And, and God, here's God. God, hey, God's not going to insult you. God's not going to take that question you have and turn it back and say, do you know you've been a believer for all these years? You've been my child and you still don't know this? James says, you don't need to go to God as if he's one of these that will just come back with you, come back on you with this insult. He will give to you generously. He will give to you honestly and without insult. So ask for wisdom. But he does say when you ask, not only ask for wisdom, but ask in faith. He says, if you're going to ask for wisdom, this God is going to give it to you. 
Verse 6, but let him ask in faith. Now, this is not the faith of salvation. It is the faith that continues to sustain us. It is not what he'll talk about later about the one who comes in that initial faith. It is this ongoing faith that is in our lives. He says, you come and you ask him with complete wholeness and trust in him. You, you continue to believe in that total commitment that you have. He said, ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. He uses the same language that Luke would use to describe the winds and the waves. As the disciples were there in the boat and the winds and waves were going back and forth and back and forth. He says some of us, some of us can be like that. We just can go back and forth and, and, and who we are and, and our focus. It's like a wave of the sea. He says you can't be like that. You got to focus. You got to wholly commit yourself to him. You have to trust in him for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man. Do you know James created a word here in verse eight that double minded? You'll not find it in any other Greek passages. No other New Testament writer will use it. No Greek writer. At all. There's, it's just like James came up with a word. I'll, I'll, that's not bad sometimes, right? You can kind of just come up with words. I, I come up with some every now and then, especially when I preach. You probably think, what did he just say? That's a word I coined. I have that liberty, you know, to coin a new word. So did the New Testament writers. James said he's a double-binded man. If you look at the original Greek, it's like diapsychosis. So in other words, it's like two souls. Here is an individual that is double-minded or two-souled. Within, there's this internal conflict. He's fighting back and forth internally. Should I believe? Should I have faith? Should I trust? Should I not? He's just struggling. Mm. That's a tough situation to find yourself in. Many of us have been right there. We found ourselves in those situations. We were honest again. You and I probably have had moments in our lives where we would have been convicted of two-souled or double-mindedness, especially during tests and trials, especially during tests and trials. When we got the diagnosis, when the diagnosis began to demonstrate its, when it began to demonstrate the reality in our lives. We got the news of a tremendous loss. When we've had family members face relational issues. And James just says, hey, just be a person of faith in this. Come ask him because you, you like wisdom. I mean, you're asking all kinds of questions. You need him. When you approach him, approach him in faith and trust that he's going to do what's best. Ask him for his perspective about things and, and just trust him through it. Faith has been defined as reason at rest. I think Manly Beasley, the old Southern Baptist teacher and preacher, he said faith is just reason at rest. 
And there are going to be times where you cannot reason your way out of your trial or your test. Not going to make sense to you. You'll try to go through all the logical things. It's, it's not going to work. Just let the reason rest and rest in him. He says, you've got to come in faith. So ask in faith. He said, otherwise, the double-minded man, he's unstable in all his ways. Whatever road he finds himself on, he is disordered. He is unsettled. He says, just ask in faith. And I just say this as we close. We ask for wisdom. We ask in faith. We just ask. Don't miss that part. Just ask. Ask him. Now, I'm so grateful we have people who are there for us during trials and tests, aren't you? I'm so thankful for family members that are faithful. I'm thankful for church people who are there with us. I was telling somebody this morning in the gathering, 1115, they've been visiting with us some time. They haven't been going to a Bible study yet a Sunday school class. And I told him, I said, you really need to go. You need to go and try a Sunday school class. It's 10, 15, every Sunday. you need to go. They said, you think? I said, yes, you will connect with people. You'll get to know people. It is within there that you're able to study the scripture and you're able to care for one another. That's where you get connected. And how many of us have those small groups that have been there for us? And sometimes we've had to ask them for help. We've had to ask them. We've, we've had to say, hey, I'm going through this. I just need you. Maybe you've been through it and just talk to me about it. And certainly as a pastor, I get a lot of people who come. They'll ask me about certain things, certain situations going in their lives. I'm so grateful that we can have resources. But in the process of asking everybody else, don't forget to ask God. Because you know what? He's the one that really can give the wisdom. I can say I can pray for you. I can say this is what the scripture says. I can, I can work with you. But, but God is the one who can really work in your life and give you the answers you need. So just ask. We would call that pray. Just pray. Not surprising that James would tell us to pray, right? You remember what his nickname was? His nickname was Camel Knees. Because they said of James that his knees were calloused, just like that of the camel. Because he prayed. He spent his time on his knees before God. And ultimately, if we're going through tests and trials... The best posture for us to approach it is on our knees. Just asking. Just pouring our hearts out. Knowing that we can be honest with him and ask questions that he's not going to revile us about or insult us about. We can just ask questions. We can ask him for wisdom. And we can ask him knowing and trusting and believing that he will do what's best for us in our lives and he will do what's best to bring himself the glory that he alone deserves we just ask for the resource of wisdom which helps us through those moments 
Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have provided for us and that you continue. Thank you that you are attentive to your people, that you love us, you give to us generously, lavishly, in so many different ways. And God, tonight, there are some in this, there's some here in this chapel. We haven't named by name, Lord, but some of them who are going through tests. They feel the weight of the world, the weight of this diagnosis, the weight of this loss, the weight of the stress that they're facing. They feel that weight right now bearing down. And they want to cry out with their questions. They'd love to here tonight in this place. They'd love to just be honest with others who are sitting here. God, I pray that you would give us the freedom to be able to share together. But Lord, I pray even more that tonight in this place we would call out upon you. We would come to you and we would ask for wisdom. God, may we ask in absolute trust and faith. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for equipping us, even through test. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen.